Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best of the Nest podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And Elizabeth has flown. I don't know where she is, but she's not here today. So I have a special guest. It's Miss Stephanie Hansen. Uh, we're going to talk about van life. Uh, Stephanie Hansen, she is the host of the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107 in the Twin Cities and of the Makers of Minnesota podcast, as well as a regular on The Jason Show, and the author of the upcoming True North Cabin Cookbook that's going to be due out in October of 2022. If you want to find out more about Stephanie, you can go to stephaniesdish.com, but it's way more fun to talk to her. Hey, Stephanie, how are you this morning? I'm good, Marjorie. I'm so happy to be talking with you again, like in the radio space, kind of. It's fantastic. I... I, when I was writing your quick little bio, I've known you for, God, 15 years or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always, I admire you so much on so many different levels. But as I'm writing your bio, I was thinking that you do something that's really hard. And I don't know that people who don't work in media understand this, which is you are really good at multiple kinds of media. You are truly... um Mastering podcasting, mastering social. You do that professionally, right? Yes, yes. So what do you do on social professionally? I do the Salad Girls social media. I also have a client that's called the Humble Goat that makes goat cheese. (laughs) And then I do my own Stephanie's Dish. And then I do the Weekly Dish um, social media assets too. And Makers of Minnesota, which I do their assets for the podcast. And yeah, I've just, it's funny because I didn't ever see myself as tech savvy, but Mm -hmm. the business was kind of going towards that. I felt like, oh, I better be in this space and I've just learned it. And do you you taught yourself pretty much? Yeah, I would take tutorials on YouTube or I would watch things. I still, I haven't mastered um, Snapchat because I just frankly didn't care about a medium that disappeared. (laughs) I was like, how serious can we be about this as a brand? Um, Reels I'm working on and not really there yet, but I do do Instagram TV. And these algorithms and these mediums change so fast. Right. It's sort of funny to me because we always thought of it as like teenagers or kids. You know, our kids were so savvy. Right. On a lot of these platforms, the people that have mastered them are the 50-year-old women who like are type A, right? We take the right. time to learn them and to get right. it down. <laughs> but I think but the reason I wanted to bring up that first, because I think this is going to relate to what we're talking about today, which is going to be so much fun. We're talking about van life and we will get to that. But the reason I wanted to talk about this first is because one of the things I've always admired about you, and I think this is a, a great lesson for anybody, is the space didn't scare you. You just, okay, this is where it's heading. This is what I'm going to understand. This is what I'm going to do. And I think a lot of women and men, but we don't speak to a lot of men, a lot of women, I think, 
sort of look at something and go, oh, no, shouldn't go there. Shouldn't do that. Oh, that's intimidating. Or, or that's for somebody younger than me. And I think that that's ridiculous. Do you know what I do, though? And when I tell you this, you'll laugh. I do feel that way. But what I do is I sort of set myself up in these do or die situations. Love that. Yeah. Where like, I just have to figure it out and I'm on a time crunch and something's happening. Like, right. I'll give you an example with the podcast. I had always recorded it in the studio. We started out with the producer when everybody was feeling flush and all excited about podcasting before they right. went to the curb and they're like, well, you can just do this at home. And, and I wasn't sure if I was going to continue doing it at home. I started the podcast with Hubbard Broadcasting and then they decided not to stay in that space with me, but they gave me the rights to it, which was really gracious on their part and wonderful. And I like had to decide, am I going to continue to do this and figure out how to produce it and edit it and all these things that I had no idea. And I gave it two weeks and I was going to not do it. And then I just thought, no, that is a really dumb reason not to do it because you're afraid. So I was like, okay. And I booked a guest and I made the guy come to my house and this was pre-pandemic, but I was like, <laughs> and he was kind of a podcast guy. So I figured right. if I couldn't figure it out, he could help me. And right. that's what I did. And same with like the TV thing. I just kept asking anyone to be on TV until right. someone finally said yes. And the first people that said yes, actually it was Twin Cities Live. They were very gracious and I used to do TV with them. And then Jason kind of came calling and he had a more regular gig that I could schedule because I was also working full time. So that really worked better for me to have a scheduled time. And um, yeah, I just, I say yes to things. And then I forced myself to do them. The cookbook, I wrote a cookbook proposal. I didn't think they were going to say yes. And I only wrote the proposal because my husband was heckling me about it. (laughs) And so on a dare. Well, he was just, yeah, he was like, yeah, well, you know, how about you write something? Cause he's starting to be a writer. And I was like, fine, I'll write a cookbook, but I don't know what to do. And he's like, they tell you online, just look. And so I did. And then I was like, well, I don't know. I need this story. He's like, well, I'll help you write the first story. You do the recipes and I'll help you put the pitch together. And he did. And then we pitched it and they were like, yes, this sounds great. And he was like, for real. <laughs> and I didn't, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this. He's like too late. You're doing you're it. You're in it. You're in it now. But I think that that's, that's the sort of the really cool thing about the way you've always operated. Cause I've watched you for years and you know, with the TV thing, it's like, you know, you could, you could equate that to somebody else to public speaking or to creating a PowerPoint or to doing whatever live TVs really intimidating. If you don't do it every day, it's intimidating. And I think that that's that idea of, I'm going to do it till it doesn't scare me. I'm going to do it till somebody says yes. And by the way, so Stephanie appears regularly on the Jason show, which comes out of the twin cities and you're a natural, you're great at it. You're just great at it. And so I think that that's, that's what's really exciting. And that leads us to the van life, which we have to go back again and talk about this other thing that I've admired which so Stephanie and I sort of worked tangentially together when I worked for Hubbard Broadcasting and you would come back from these amazing sailing trips and you would talk about them and, you know, just in a really natural, interesting way. And every time you would bring up a story, I'd be like, Oh my God, that scares me so much, but that sounds so fun. Oh my God, that scares me so much, but that sounds like so much fun. But it was sort of a similar kind of, you're not a sailor, right? No, 
not at all. In fact, there's a term for this that I think I am, and it's called, I think it's an unconscious competent, (laughs) where (laughs) you aren't really aware of that you're doing these things, but you just exude this confidence and do them. And then inside, you're just like a wreck, right? Yeah. I mean, sailing is, I am not a sailor. I never grew up really with boats. I learned how to water ski in the sixth grade. And that was my start of the love of the water. But I didn't know enough sometimes to say no or to not do it. I just would be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sure we can figure this out. And then I'd be like on the open sea in a storm, just like, what are we doing? But it's, It's amazing, though. So what was it again? Did you coin that phrase? An unconscious competent? No, it's a real thing. An unconscious competent. And there's also conscious competent, but I am like the unconscious kind where I just am like, okay. Boy, if that doesn't speak to motherhood, I don't know what does. 100%. I mean, all of us are unconscious competents when it comes to having children, figuring out what we're doing is going along. And you've just taken sort of that idea of just doing to the next level. And um, so when we talk about best of the nest here, we talk a lot about the things that we model for our children and the things that we do. And, you know, I'd like to think I've modeled a lot of really great things for my kids, but I know that I've modeled some things that they are in reaction to. And I think we all do that as parents, that I modeled something negative and they either picked up that negative thing that I modeled or they're a complete reaction to it. And with me, it was fear. I would tend to be fearful of things or a little bit anxious. And so my kids in reaction to that are sometimes not in a stupid way, but don't allow fear to rule some of their decisions. So it kind of worked out, but it could have gone the other way that I could have raised very anxious children. And I think my partner helped them not be that way. It's funny to hear you describe that because two things. One, you you don't know this. Maybe you know this, but I think I've told Elizabeth, my sister, Cubby, mm-hmm. is like obsessed with you and Elizabeth and the show. Oh. And, <laughs> and she's like, I mean, legitimately is constantly telling me the lessons that you and Elizabeth have learned she admires Elizabeth so much because Elizabeth is a full-time worker. My sister works full-time and Elizabeth yeah. has three kids. My sister has two kids, busy, busy lives. Yeah. And she loves like that Elizabeth, you know, tells the kids like, we are not acting like that at the table. You, you excuse yourself or like how she'll break down. Right, right, right. So I admire that you guys are all in this parenting thing together and giving such good life lessons that someone like my sister, who's got a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old, is really taking to heart. What's funny about you, though, is I admired you and Ian because you guys did, like, you moved all over. You just would, like, you'd buy a house, you'd move. Two years later, you'd do it again. And you became, like, really good at the house flipping thing just because of necessity, I imagine. And you guys just had friends, like, all over the country. And you didn't feel necessarily stuck in one place. And I... I'm a nester. Like I like the Twin Cities. I don't ever want to leave here. 
I've right. enjoyed having my life here. And so I think I get my yayas through the travel piece right. or, you know, and also I've known you. So I'm 52 and I got breast cancer stage three when I was 42. So most of the time that you guys have known me, that was a transformative thing that changed my whole life and made me not let grass grow under my feet, either in decision-making or those big dreams I wanted to pursue. I just had to, like, I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to be here or not. So I, when, when Kurt wanted to go sailing with our daughter at five years old, I was like, yep, when he wanted to pulled up in this rickety ass, disgusting mouse ridden shell of a van and said, we're going to trick this out. I was like, yep. I forced myself to do things and push myself out of my comfort zone because I just never had that sense of that. I have all this time. Yeah. That changes. Yeah. I can imagine it would. And I think, I mean, I, I knew you when you were fighting the breast cancer and I, I marveled at your ability to do it. You did it with a lot of strength and a lot of grace and a lot of humor. Um, but that doesn't change that it's super, super scary. And I think that, you know, I think what's, what's interesting about that. And I was wondering about the van life of how much of that was influenced by that feeling of, okay, let's get on with life. All let's, of it. let's go see and do and be. Um, so tell everybody about the, the van, cause that's a funny story. And this is part of why I wanted to talk to you, Steph, is, you know, we can get very rooted as families in our lives. We can get rooted in a place. I have a wandering soul for sure, which is why I love to travel too. And I think moving for me was not difficult because it just meant a whole new life. So I think it's important to understand rootedness and what that means can be a good thing. But the adventuresome spirit is also equally important, I think, for a family. But but tell everybody about the van, the first van. Okay, so the first van came. My husband and I did a lot of things at once. Our daughter went to college. She was an only child. We sold a business that we both ran together. We sold our home that we'd had for 18 years. We sold a building that we had. We Mm -hmm. bought a townhome in another part of town. And my husband retired and we did all this in a span of three months. Oh, wow. And we were going to just retire and like live this retired life. And my husband wanted to change careers. He wanted to become a writer. I was just going along for the ride. I knew I'd always have this food life because I had the radio show once a week. But from a professional standpoint, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I ended up just kind of getting into the food space more and really building that out and doing more of the social media and the brand following and brand awareness and all the stuff I'm working on. But my husband started writing every day and he was wanting to have these grand adventures and sailing is super expensive. We talked about buying a boat and it just didn't make sense to have a boat because we couldn't spend enough time on it with my work schedule of still even just working a few days a week right? to do it. So the van was sort of the compromise. He was in Min- He drove by this yard in Minnetonka and saw this van. It was a 1972 Dodge Explorer, X-P-L-O-R. And he saw it in this guy's yard in Minnetonka. 
and called the guy up and they bought, he bought it and he brought it home and he pulled it up in front of the townhome that we had just bought. And it was like, I don't even know if the Partridge family or Scooby-Doo van really does it justice, but it was so gross inside. It stunk so bad when I opened the door for the first time and Kurt can't smell. He's got like a sinus thing. So he legitimately can't smell. Oh and my I God. opened the door and I almost passed out because it just stunk like mouse. And here he had oh. been driving in it from Minnetonka to St. Paul, which is about a 30 minute ride. I was like, oh my God, you could have killed yourself. This is toxic. Like you got to right. get out of here. Right. Right. And I took a video because I was just like, okay, this is so gross. I don't know. Like, I don't know. We spent a couple thousand dollars for this thing. And he was like, yeah, it's all going to work out. He was really excited about it. So he took the van to the cabin that we have in northern Minnesota and spent the next year working on it. And it was starting to get real cute. It had cute little chairs. He even made these little cute drapes and pillows. And we were going to take van trips, like two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And he got it like all tricked out. It had a bathroom that is just like a sailboat bathroom. And that's like where you sit on the toilet and you shower with the hand wand, but you mm-hmm. can still shower. And there was right. a little sink for brushing your teeth in the van. So it had everything we needed. It just was very old and very stinky, but he cleaned it up. We put a refrigerator in there. We had a cooktop in there. And it's amazing. You can find all these parts and stuff. My husband's yep. pretty savvy. He got the engine redone and the brakes and all the things. And one September, we took off on our first trip and we drove. And I had never as a kid went anywhere. Like, I just, we had four kids. We didn't get in the car and do road trips. Like, my dad was a banker and worked and my mom was a homemaker. And if I went anywhere, it was with my friends the neighbors who had a cabin and we'd go there, but literally, so I had never been on a road trip. I'd never been to South Dakota. I'd never been to the West. It was just like amazing. And America, like America, (laughs) just full on America. That was fascinating. And the first trip was just, it was so great. So great. We went to Death Valley. We went through the mountains. The van couldn't go more than 62 miles an hour. So ever? Not really. Ever? No, no. Oh, wow. No. Oh, wow. So See, that's we, part of the boldest part of that is even trusting a 1972 van. It's just really bold, especially having lived in the West for a while, doing any driving in the West in an old van just scares the crap out of me because if if you haven't traveled those big roads, those hot roads, it can be very intimidating because it's very, you're very alone in certain parts of the mountains. I had no idea when we started. I mean, yeah, we got some space out there. Yeah. And like, I mean, Utah alone and just the mountains. And when they talk about, I remember being in, in the van and I think we were in Wyoming and we were at the top of this mountain that we had just chugged up, chugged down, chugged up. And all of it was sort of like you're crossing your fingers. And we're at the very tippy top of this mountain. And this cowboy and like his crew of other cowboys came and they were rustling cattle through this un marked area. There's lots of areas up in the mountains where the cattle just roam and they're tagged right. somehow. 
Right. And I'm just like watching this cattle run in this van and thinking, wow, man, this is really America. <laughs> and I just had no idea. And the yeah, people I, that we would meet, oh, like so some good. of the just crazy people and then the nice people and you'd be in these, you know, camping and sailing have a, or a van life and sailing actually have a lot in common. You take the pictures of these vistas and these open spaces, but a lot of times you're in a campground, which is like basically right. being next to a bunch of other campers. Right. In a sail, when you're on a sailing trip, you're moored on a mooring ball next to other sailboats. So right. while it seems like you're always in these remote, lush landscapes, sometimes <laughs> you're right outside the camp potty, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So from there, what were, what were, were you ever scared, scared? Yeah, I was. Um, we had a, their Death Valley is really, um, remote. Hot. Yeah. And hot and uninhabited and just right. dry and sandy and dusty. Yeah. I just, I remember just being like, wow. And I used to always think about Charles Manson for whatever reason. Cause right. he like would stay in the desert and have like his family out there. So I was like, oh my God, we're going to run into some cult leader. And. <laughs> So yeah, that felt sometimes a little scary. And also, you know, in, in, on one of our trips, we legitimately ran into a grizzly bear. Like, and I have, uh, we're, Kurt and I were in Wyoming and we pulled into this park and the lady said, well, you got your bear spray, right? And we were like, no, like bear spray. And she was like, oh no, you need your bear spray. She goes, I happen to have some here and I'll give it to you because we have had some sightings on the Snake River Trail where you're going to be hiking. So here's oh the spray. And when you leave, just leave it in with the next ranger you see. So I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. The bear spray, totally. <laughs> And you rolled your eyes. That's right. So we go and we park the van and we're on this dusty trail. And it was a weird trail in that it like there was brush on both sides of you. So it was very narrow trail that yep. we were walking single file. So Stephen is kind of like nature, yeah. <laughs> like real nature. A lot of nature, <laughs> not like the Grand Canyon, you know, where you're right. on like a bike path with 52,000 other people. Right. So we're in nature. We're alone. We've got a backpack with some cheese and crackers and a couple bottles of water. And we're walking and I can see this shrub, a big shrub up in front of me and I'm first and it's rustling. And I can hear this sort of like, <laughs> and I, I said to Kurt, can you hear that? And he, he would not admit this, but he can't hear as well as I can. So he's right. like, no, I, I can't hear it. I'm like, look up the shrub. And it's moving and we're hearing more like, <laughs> and it's, it's breathing noise. And I'm like, there's something in the shrub. And as soon as I said that, a gigantic silverback grizzly <gasps> came out of that shrub that was 30 feet from me, if that, and started running up the side of the mountain, kind of away from where we were looking at us and we're looking at it and 
Kurt's got his camera out and he's videotaping and taking pictures. And I'm like, we've got to get out of here because the shrub is still, there's still something else in that shrub, whether it was another bear or babies or a kill oh, that wow. wasn't all the way dead. Yeah. Something was in there making snorty snort sounds. And so we started walking backwards right. and turns out most times bears are as afraid of you as you are of them. So we got out of there. It's the times when they're not that it's scary. <laughs> That's and, the problem. I mean, That's had we have gone like 10 more feet, I, I just don't know if we would have scared it or right. that was, that was a very exhilarating, scary van time. I and just... it, it changed my hiking forever because oh, really? when I see bear stuff, I'm like, okay, do we have the stuff? And we've seen Good. quite a few bears since then, but not in such close proximity. And right. mostly you don't see grizzly bears in out there very often. And wow. this one was just gigantic. It was huge. Well, I um, I said to Ian yesterday, and I am one of those people that I want to, I, like, I, I, I would love to think that I was, I could ride a horse. Like when we just finished watching Yellowstone and it's like, you know, I just, I love the idea that oh, I yeah. could ride a horse. My husband has tried to give me horseback riding lessons so many times because I love the idea of that. When I see like commercials and people have their backpacks on and, you know, they're out in nature. I think I would love that. I, 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 I could see me from there, but I, I can't, I know myself. I would be so not fun to be out in the wilderness. I would be nervous about everything. So I said to my husband yesterday, I'm like, hey, wouldn't it be great like if we just went and we backpacked around Europe together, just like casual, not fancy, not anything. He goes, so are you talking about really being in nature or green screening it? Yeah, <laughs> like you're right. Like, what kind of nature in Europe? Like, like, like Italy, where there's little towns that there's lots of people that will feed you in those towns? Or exactly. like, are we talking about Serbia, where like, there's nothing for miles? Right? No, and I, I, and so it's like, when I, when I look at you and van life, I think, okay, that might be the way that I get a little bit of that wanderlust. I'll just skip the trails completely and just stay on the roads and keep driving round and round the country. But so basically though, your van broke at some point and you had it, to upgrade, didn't you? It did. And it's kind of a sweet story. So we were in Utah and the entire state of Utah is gorgeous, mm-hmm. but very uninhabited. And I had oh, yeah. no idea. Like, oh yeah, it's just red rocks and sand forever. Yeah. And it's mountainous. So there's it's so beautiful. Yeah, so it's many beautiful. gorgeous places. And we got to Fruta, Utah, which is uh, right along the border of Colorado and the Colorado River. And we'd started having van trouble, like we were having to stop and get things checked and fluids were leaking. And it was just kind of part of the day was assessing, you know, where are we going and can the right. van make it? Well, when we got to Fruta, we were leaving the national park and we were going to be going through uh, the mountains of Colorado to Aspen. And it quickly became clear the van was chugging. It was not starting. It was just having all this trouble. 
And so Kurt said, I'm going to leave you at this hotel and I'm going to book a day in the local gas station with the van and kind of make sure that we're set before we start going to Aspen because it's through a lot of mountain passes. Oh, yeah. And I ended up in that hotel for three nights because Kurt couldn't get the van going enough or repaired enough or mobile enough to leave. So it was like $1,800 later. He was able to pick me up in the van and we headed off to head out to Aspen through Colorado. And we had literally driven probably 30 miles and we stopped to go to the bathroom and do an overlook. And as I'm walking back towards the van, I see a giant puddle of something underneath. And I just was like, mm, that doesn't seem good. So Kirk gets down there and he smells it and he's like, oh, that's brake fluid. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so we really have a problem. In the <laughs> we, mountains of in Colorado. The mountains. You're leaking brake fluid. Yeah, that's dangerous living right there. Yep. And so. <laughs> oh my God. He was so dejected at this point. And oh. I was trying to be positive, but it didn't oh. feel great. So he goes on Craigslist. And I didn't know he was doing this because we were sitting on the side of the road, just like, what are we going to do? He's on Craigslist. He finds a Winnebago Paseo 25 miles from where we are that's for sale. And we had already kind of looked at better vans thinking because at this point we'd had the Wonder Bread van is what we call it. You can see it on Instagram. It's got its own account. Um, (laughs) Of course it does. (laughs) Yeah. And at this point we just had, we had been looking at other types of vans because we liked the van lifestyle and we wanted to travel more in that way. But we knew that this van wasn't long for the world. Right. And what it was super ideal for would be somebody in Colorado or somebody where you can, you know, drive an hour and have a van right. experience and then park it in your garage in the city. And right. So we pull up to this town in Fruta, Colorado, coincidence. And this guy is a senior citizen. His wife has died and he's just had stomach surgery. So he's sitting in a chair in his front yard in this like one level brick house that looks like it's just protecting him from the heat. Right. You know, he's got like one window. Yeah. And this van, this Winnebago Paseo, it's a Ford truck bed with a Winnebago thing. It's a class C, so you can drive it in a parking lot at Walmart and park in a space. It's not considered an RV. Was in the front of the house. And he took one look at our van, which was, you know, chug, 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 getting up to the front door. And he said, you know, my wife and I had a van just like that. And my wife died, but, you know, we had some good times in that van. (laughs) He goes, and the reason I bought this van is because my wife had breast cancer and we thought we were going to take a few good trips, but, you know, we didn't have the chance and I've only been in it once since and it's really not the same. And I go and the van has 10,000 miles on it. It's almost brand new, other than the fact that he'd been in it a few times and sorry, dudes, but a man didn't clean the shower once. So that was, I saw the shower and I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So we bought the van, but we convinced the guy to keep our other van. And we were like, we'll trade it. Like, just give us a couple thousand bucks. 
some local kid here is going to love this thing and be able to like fix it. He goes, well, I got a, I got a nephew. So he calls his nephew and the nephew is like, oh yeah, dad or uncle Bob, uncle, we, can, yeah. we can take care of that. So, you know, now here you are, it's a, it's a multiple thousands of dollar purchase. Right. And it's COVID. And like, I'm like, okay, well, we'll just go to the bank and get a check or something. I don't know. Well, you couldn't go and just get checks. I had to like make a special appointment at the U.S. bank Yep. because he wouldn't accept like a cashier's check because he was nervous about that. I couldn't PayPal that large of an amount. I couldn't charge it on a credit card. So we go to the U.S. bank and we have all of our stuff from the van out in the parking lot on the ground because we have to like transfer vans. And I would not put one thing in the new van until I'd cleaned the entire thing. So the guy, we got a chair for him and he just sat in the shade and watched me with a thing of bleach clean this whole other van. We put all of our stuff in it. The guy from the bank ended up telling the guy he wanted to buy the Wonder Bread van. He, he was like a 28 year old guy and he's like, you know, oh my I got the girlfriend and we just want to like take weekend camping trips and this thing's pimped it out. Was happening in one day? One day. One day. Okay. Like actually okay. one day and a night because we had to stay overnight because the bank wasn't right. open until the next day. Right. So we got everything transferred. We moved into the Wonder Bread van and it's, I mean. The Winnebago. The Winnebago, Winnebago. yes. Right, right, right. We closed out the Wonder Bread van on Instagram. We took a final picture. We got the Winnebago loaded up. And the Winnebago has zero charm. You know, it's, but it is, it is, our refrigerator safe. is better than my one at home. It's safe. I never worry. We don't have any problems. The right. bathroom's great. There's a full shower in there too. We have a microwave. We have a TV in the new van where we can lay in bed in the middle of nowhere and with a solar panel watch, you know, Breaking Bad. It's crazy. Well, I wouldn't be watching that one on the road <laughs> when you're in New Mexico. Exactly. You'll know, be watching that one. <laughs> that, exactly. That, no, 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 no. But in and, a way, I mean, we've never talked about religion before, I think, ever. But did it, did it feel divine? I have lots of um feelings of spirituality and I don't know if they're like traditional, like Mediterranean looking Jesus, like, you know, right. when you were in <laughs> grade school, but right. I do feel a real sense of nature and the land and cycles and just that things happen for a reason. For a reason. And I don't always know what they are. And I just have to close my eyes and grit my teeth and give it up to the universe, which is hard for me to do. But yes, I I feel like my whole life in some respects has been just one divine opportunity uh, into another because I've just had so much fun life. And, you know, I think in, in a way that's almost when I, when we opened this conversation, it was about me saying how much I've admired you over the years. And I think you just hit it right there. And you just open yourself up to all of these experiences. And I think, again, when we talk about what we want to pass on to our children, I think that's one of the greatest gifts you can give children is that idea of not being afraid, 
of being open to, to hope that there's a plan or to believe that there's a plan that you may not know about and that miraculous things can happen. And I, I think, think you have to learn not to hold on so tight. Oh yeah. And that, like I said, sometimes I am just like gritting myself to open my hands up, to not have them in the claw. That's just like, Oh, hold on. Like, Take a deep breath. The funny thing is my daughter is 22 years old. She just graduated from college. She's mm-hmm. buying a house. She's like the most nester. Mm-hmm. She's traveled. Like she's sailed all over the world. And she's like, yeah, sailing. I've kind of done that. <laughs> like I just like, I just like a tent and I just like, like car camping. She just, she wants to really, she doesn't want to go anywhere. She doesn't want to move anywhere. She just wants to be rooted and have a garden and have like a steady job. It's so funny how that you raise funny. the exact opposite of what you think you are. Right. Oh, I love that though. But there's also something beautiful about the fact that she maybe already feels a little bit that she knows the world. For sure. And that she can settle in and it'll be interesting to check back in with her when she's in her thirties and then her forties and then her fifties. Cause my, my guess would be, and I don't know your daughter really at all, but my guess would be is she's going to open back up big. Yeah. I hope she's sort of, she's really, and I don't know where this came from because she's just like super smart, like right. Ian Punnett <laughs> smart. Okay. But in like, her whole high school experience, she was, she's a terrible student, but right. she's researched everything. Yeah. She's, I mean, just online 24 seven. I remember being in Europe and being in a um, Van Gogh exhibit and her talking to me about this painting in a way that was like a docent would. Oh, and I just beautiful. never even knew that she had ever seen this thing. Right. She just researched things she was interested in and she's interested in everything and all of it and just the detail. About and you don't know where that comes and, from. No, you don't, you don't have any idea where that curiosity might come from, Stephanie, not no. a clue of who might have modeled just a bit of curiosity. I, I don't know either, Stephanie. I don't know where that possibly could have come from at it's all. So funny. Yeah. You can't <laughs> see yourself. I guess that is curious yeah. about. I'm curious about people. She's curious about things. But you're curious. And yeah. I think that's the other, that's the other great lesson in life is those are, those are the people I love most being around. Like I can't even understand anybody who says I'm bored. I don't understand it. It's like there's so much to do. There's still so much to do. So that's don't you feel thing. like you're running out of time? Uh, yeah. yeah. I hate I that do. feeling. I, as I'm aging and I'm embracing age because it's hard to embrace, but I feel like, again, it's all a gift, right? But I feel like it's going so fast. And the every year, this, the hamster wheel is moving faster and faster and faster. And sometimes I just want to get off. And I think nature and the van and sailing trips allows me to just stop and take a look around and observe what a beautiful world. And this is a really weird thing to say, but I'm a very liberal left person and yes. the political climate in the last few years has been really gross and really hard to navigate. But on all sides, I think we've just lost a lot of civility, no matter who you are. 
but I got my heart full again by being on the road and meeting people that had no more political affiliation with me than the man on the moon, but we wanted the same stuff. We wanted a fun experience. We wanted a nice campsite. We wanted to meet our neighbors. We helped, you know, when, when they ran out of toilet paper, we gave them some and we met all kinds of people from all walks of life. And it filled my heart back up to while we're in this sort of lack of civil time that underneath it all, people are good. You just have to look for the good. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even have to look that far. No, no. And that's, and I think that's what we forget sort of when we hole up and we get divided. In our camps of tribalness and our ways the right way. Yeah. And most of them aren't nearly as divided um, as, as we think we are. And I had an interesting, I was doing a show that was, um, uh, we were covering it for one of the, the university, um, it was a speaker series and I'll never forget this because he was using, it was a, the professor had all this data about where we are in this country and why we're so polarized and why we're so divided. And what was interesting about it was that we've lost in our insular nature, you know, of watching Netflix or streaming or just staying in our homes there. And he has the data to show it that because fewer people belong to churches and fewer people belong to civic organizations and fewer people belong to these community things, that's sort of fueling some of this polarization. Because if you think about it, you know, I grew up Catholic. I, I'm not a practicing Catholic, but when you would be in a Catholic parish, there would be people from, you know, all economic stratas, all, you know, all just such a variety of people coming together in this one act of keeping a parish together. And I think that's what's interesting about what you say about like the van life. It's it's a bunch of people coming together for this one purpose. You're not going to have it together, but you want the campsite to be nice. You want that, you know, you want all that to work. And I think sometimes um, we do forget that. And so that's cool that that's how you sort of reignited your faith in a sense in people. It it really is. It really is. And it if if you watch that Frances McDormand movie that she won the Oscar this year mm-hmm. about her life in a van and about sort of the invisibleness of people fifty plus. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the movie, but Nomad. I did love it. Nomad. Yeah. You know, what that movie just showed and what everybody was so bowled over by is something I'd already felt, which is, you know, you're not that different from your neighbor. You all want the same thing. You want harmony, you want peace, you want to just feel strong in your own existence. And I really resonated with that movie just because I thought it showed all different kind of people and all different ways to get there, but we're all trying to get there. Love that. On that note, Stephanie Hansen, if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. I have to read this one from MB Min MN. She said, thank you. I appreciate Best to the Nest. Thank you for opening up and exploring how to make the best of our lives. Your vulnerability is freezing and freeing. I've loved that. I don't know really yeah. what it means. It's freezing. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to the newsletter, which really doesn't exist yet, but we're working on it. We are the podcast that brings you home. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Marjorie. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. 
Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.